Hello and welcome to Geek Warning. I'm Dave Rome and this is a little departure from the usual group show. We did promise we'd offer the occasional deep dive episode and well, this is just that. Today, SRAM revealed its all-new mountain bike products that have been getting around at World Cups and all over the internet for well over a year now. If you're a mountain biker, then you should enjoy this app. But if you're a hardcore roadie, well, just stick with me. I've had my hands on the top-tier cross-country race-focused XXSL version, and I have to say, I've been rather blown away by this stuff. And you can read all about this group set, including my thoughts, on our equally new website, escapecollective.cc. Yep, we have a website. In short, I believe this group set is going to prove to be somewhat of a game-changer, and I'm often pretty shy of giving such praise to any product. The mountain bike industry has already widely adopted the new standard required to handle this new derailleur, and the benefits are tangible. So for now, this is something only for mountain bikers, but I'm going to speculate that a lot of the technology discussed in this episode could very well be in the future for gravel, and I really wouldn't be shocked if it eventually got adopted in the road space too. So even the hardcore roadies, there's probably something in here to pay attention to. So with that, here's a deep dive into the new SRAM Eagle transmission. I've just been for a quick spin on some new mountain bike gear, and I'm sitting across a table overlooking a very uh, sunny Sydney harbour with Lachlan McKillop. Lachlan, welcome to Geek Warning. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me again, which is cool. Lucky for those that don't know you, uh, what's, uh, what's your story? What's, what's your title at SRAM? Uh, I'm technical content specialist. Okay. And I help with events. My background is training mechanics. Before that, I was a mechanic and um, a race tech for, for World Cup stuff mm-hmm. um, overseas, which was cool. So uh, mountain biking's in my blood, I suppose you'd say. Probably not my blood, but it's definitely I like. Um, the trail, trail of mountain biking's in your blood. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, and definitely more that kind of gravity orientated stuff. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for those that don't know Lockie, spin that up on Instagram. Yeah. You'll, you'll see that he's, uh, very much in the scene. Uh, Lockie, what's new with this group set? What are we looking at? Uh, to be quite honest, it's, it's kind of more what isn't new and it's very little. Um, this is at least for me, the biggest change in shifting that I've seen um, really since it went to, I suppose, when it went to Eagle. But as a system, this is completely redesigned around electronics. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a mechanical system with an uh, electronic upgrade. So it's grossly, grossly different, as we would have seen with set up earlier. Um, we have gotten rid of a uh, derailleur hanger. Mm. So utilizing that UDH um, bolt pattern, we're now using what we call a full mount. The universal derailleur hanger. Yeah. Yep. We're using a, what we call full mount. So the derailleur itself mounts to the frame, mm. um, which is very, very different. Okay. But we also know where the derailleur is now, which is really cool. So knowing that, there's a few things we can change further on. Okay. Uh, we have changed everything else with it as well. So Interesting. nothing beyond the axis components with their electronics and the way they talk communication wise is, is compatible with this. Okay. So the wireless protocol is compatible, but nothing else is. Yeah. All right. We'll get to that. So let's start with the basics. So we were looking at new XXSL. Yeah. So we're looking at, we're we're calling it Eagle transmission. Okay. It's moving away from drivetrain uh, and transmission really due to that mounting and and the whole change in nature and the way that it, that it shifts. Okay. Um, And that's to do a lot with the cassette mapping. Yep as well as um, the electronic mechanical interfaces between the two. Um, what we installed on your bike today with XXSL, this is the most weight weenie group set we can get. How I like it, yep. Um, light, carbon, titanium, all of the bits. Um, we've got a, I suppose you call it a semi-integrated power meter with it as well to really save weight on that. Um, below that, we've got XX. So uh, XX is your trail. You can still use it for XC, um, but it's a little bit heavier. Um, the cranks aren't completely hollow. The XXXL offer a completely hollow crank, which is that um, wax puck molding and the wax is melted out, whereas the XX is the foam fill okay. in the cranks and obviously cassette and stuff changes in weight, same with the chain. Um, and then we have um, XO as well. Um, okay. XO is an alloy crank um, with a hole in it, which mm. is pretty cool. Um, people probably seen stuff on some, uh, patents lately on wheelbase, one of my favorite pages. Um, and they're all kind of fit around a purpose. So that more aggressive rider is more, 
you know, tailored towards XO. The XX will still take it, but it's a larger price point. Okay. So alloy crank on XO. So previously, I guess, SRAM had almost branded XX1 as, or XX as the cross-country group set and XO as sort of like your trail or mountain. Yeah. Is that is that differentiation still there? Yes and no. Okay. Um, so, yeah, first of all, we've ditched the one off everything now. So it's kind of the same we mentioned, I suppose you'd say the other week, with um, with the four stuff. It's just an extra word. We don't need the one in there. All of our mountain bike drivetrains are, are one by specifically now. Um, so the one is gone. XXXL is, is fit for a purpose, which is cross-country um, and racing. So okay. it's as light as possible. Um, your XX and XO, though, are not strictly around a specific type of riding xx and xl are both compatible for e-bike they're both compatible for enduro riding uh they're both compatible for cross country there's gonna be a little bit heavier than the xx sl and xx sl isn't compatible with e-bikes it is not interesting yes okay i'll bring i'll come back to that all right so we're looking at basically a whole new group set a whole new transmission that doesn't look anything else like anything we've seen before. Yeah. Uh, I guess the the most obvious thing and the thing that I guess the the patents and the, the leaked photos have been seen for almost a year now, uh, that rear derailleur. So that rear derailleur seems to seems to have taken the spot of the the universal direct hanger, direct yeah. hanger, yeah, uh, sneaky tram. They're getting everyone <laughs> in the industry to convert their bikes to to UDH. It yeah. seems they had a plan. Maybe. I, to that, I can't really speak to. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like UDH was good because it did give us a consistent point for rear derailleur mounting and uh, a stiffer interface as well, so that's likely to bend. And there was a few safety features in there as well. So the UDH could move around if there was a large rock strike from the front and there was like almost a chain catcher that kind of filtered it back onto the ten tooth. So the UDH is a, is a really good feature. Um, but, yes, utilizing that mounting point means that we can mount our derailleur directly onto the frame now as well. Okay. So that derailleur, you take the hanger off. Yes. And the derailleur bolts on between, it gets basically gets sandwiched. It'll sandwich Or it frame. is the bread to the dropout. Yeah, in, so you will, the two, there's two feelings. You've got the dropout and then you've got that little red bushing we put in there as well. So mm-hmm. that bushing is important because it does need to, to move around, which we did with setup. Um, and then there's a knurled ring on the inboard side as well. Then you've got the derailleur, which mounts around that full mount, which wraps around the frame. And then the bolt will go through the through the middle. Okay, so through axle holds the wheel in, but it's also effectively holding the derailleur in place. It's keeping the derailleur in a fixed position. Yeah, uh, and the the derailleur itself is also bolted to the frame. So if you take your wheel out, the derailleur doesn't just fall off. Yeah. So in that tightening phase we did before, when we just installed this on on Dave's bike, we tighten the the derailleur itself on there first. And then we tighten the axle to that. So there's no issues with taking the wheel off. Once that's set and set to the right torque, it doesn't move around. Yeah. The the install was surprisingly simple. Like you didn't have a lot of tools out for it. No. Uh, you, you install the derailleur with an 8 mil. So same, same as the crank. 8 mil tool for the derailleur. So mm-hmm. a little bit different to the T25s or fires that we've used in the past before. But it's same as the crank. So you know, we'd hope that most shops are using a torque wrench to tighten their cranks. It's the same tool for the back in terms of that torque wrench on there. What you'll notice with the derailers is the lack of other bolts on there. There's no limit screws. Hmm. There's no B-gap bolt. Okay. okay. All the setup is done with mounting it on the frame. And we've put that into three key kind of steps, which um, Chris, Chris Mandel would have showed you on that video. We've got prepare where we get everything connected. We go and look up our chain length. Uh, we then got hang where we're mounting the parts, but they're actually loose. Yep. And then we've got tighten. Okay. So prepare is buttons and making it wirelessly torque shifter to derailleur. Yep. So we're pairing everything up. So yep. if you've got just your derailleur and your pod shifter or, or any of the axis shifters, um, it's going into pair mode on the back. So it's that intermittent flashing on the rear derailleur. And then the really fast um, six little blip, blip blips okay. um, from each component. If mm-hmm. you've got a reverb, it's the same process as before. And the rear derailleur is the master unit. So you start with that. Okay. And then sizing the chain, there's an app. You basically look at your chain stay length and yes. then just cross-reference it on a chart and then it tells you how many links to take off a brand new chain. There's two ways to get chain length. Yeah. The one we didn't get to see today because the app's not released is via the app. Okay. So you'll key in your bike model and it will come up with your chain length on oh. there. Okay. Um, the other version to that is what we did today, which is the chain length chart. Um, and you'll go through and, and get your um, chain stay measurement and look in there via uh, while also looking at your chain ring size to get your, your chain length on there. 
Okay. Um, there's no ifs, there's no buts. Um, there are on like high pivot bikes, there is a, um, a sizing you can do like traditional sizing, which is around the cog and around the 52 at the back, um, add a link on a two by, um, but they're solely for idler pulley based bikes. Gotcha. I guess a key thing that we didn't cover at the beginning is what hasn't changed is the fact that it's still 12 speed, still 12 speed. And I guess how the derailleur knows well, how, how SRAM knows the, the correct chain length is that there's only one cassette size. Yeah, so it's a yeah. 1052 yeah. on there. That's um, that's the cassette size. It's been yeah. working really well on Eagle. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a change in those actual cogs themselves, um, and I'll try and look it up because I don't actually know them off the top of my head, um, but it's not the same ratios that we had on the on The, um, the Eagle, Eagle, which had a big jump. It used to go, what, 42 to? There's a 42 to a 52, and yeah. I'll just grab this up and have a quick look. Here we go, 52-44. So um, I've just got like a set ratio here. So it's a 52-44, 38, 32, 28, 24, 21, 18, 16, 14, 12, and a 10. Mm. So it is a smaller jump from what was a, a 42 up to a 52 as well. Okay, interesting. The So the derailleur, no limit screws, no B-tension. You set your, your chain length based on an app. Uh, what was the next step? Uh, we, so we prepared chains cut components are paired and then we go to the hang phase. So in, hang in without this, a hanger, pardon? without a hanger, without a hanger. So yeah. the three steps are assuming that your, your cranks are on, your cassettes on. So we're kind of including that as already done. Um, and that your hangers off as well. So, um, the UDH comes completely out. It seems weird. I still find it weird taking all of my, uh, hangers off. Um, and then we go to the hang phase. So this is going to be the odd one. And this is the one that will probably throw people the most. Um, we mount our derailleur on. Okay. We tighten it up until it's firm or snug. And then we back it off one full turn. And we actually want to see that to be loose. That sandwich to be quite loose and the wheel can go on as well. And we tighten that up until it's firm and then we back it off. We want movement in the wheel and we want movement in the derailleur. Um, and that's due to the way that the B position is now set. There is a, a knurled ring. Um, which mounts into the frame and it's got two little wings on there and that gives us our range and movement of the derailleur. Yeah, so that knurled wing wing basically bites into the drop out of the frame, does yeah, it? Bites it's, into the frame yeah, okay. on a on a on a mount that's that's flat from mm-hmm. my UDH specifications. Gotcha. And that's fully standardized. Like you do SRAM does have a lot of bikes on the market that are a SRAM certified for meeting that standard. SRAM has spent a lot of time getting UDH right. Um, and making sure that, you know, those specifications are set. If they're not set, it doesn't put the hanger in the right place. If the hanger's not in the right place, the shifting doesn't occur properly. So um, we've got really good relationships with our OEMs and, and that's been a big thing that they're, they're working through, um, to make sure this all works properly. I'm interested by this design. Like it's, it's so different to anything that we've seen before. Um, well, almost like, I guess shimano saint first generation kind of did a similar thing by trying to mount yeah. a rail off an axle but it's yeah. it's not nearly as nice as what what shram's achieved no like this is you know i i think for how fewer leaks there has been is yeah. pretty crazy because yeah. the amount of you know parties involved to get this right has been huge yeah um it, it's a pretty big undertaking it, it's not a yeah in that case you know a hub and a derailleur mm-hmm. um this is, is a whole system where you know oems have changed their frame design yeah okay and i guess the benefits of it to the user like we're talking no limit screws no b tension which is probably a pretty common fault for people using eagle is having that wrongly set what other benefits are there i think the i think the biggest thing is is simplicity and an ease of use uh shram has adopted access as a as a wireless protocol for everything to talk together um and and that's made life easier. There's like cable in your frame, or or you know these little incremental adjustments that you know for you or I as mechanics, you kind of go by feel to set up. Um, for us, it's fine. We've been working on the things for for ten plus years. But to explain to someone, you know, you need eighth of a turn more tension here or there, it's not easy to kind of say to people it's something they have to learn. Mm. This system getting rid of adjustments and, and simplifying setup. It you know today we we sat through that setup, but in terms of you mounting it up, it probably took a couple of minutes. Yeah. Means you can get this upgrade kit and you can change your bike out and it takes 10, 15 minutes, you know, yeah. nothing too crazy. So it, it's simplicity of use. Um, the other thing is, and we haven't really touched on it yet, but is that cassette mapping and, and shift. Um, it's a very, very crisp shift, shift. And it's a shift that we can do under full power. 
Now, to you or I, and I said this earlier on the ride, like we're smart shifters. You know, I'm not shifting under full load. I'm backing that power off slightly and making it all work nicely. Yeah. Explaining that to a new cyclist, yeah. it doesn't really make sense. Why do I need to back it off while I'm pedaling? Instead of us trying to educate people around that, we've made a system that you can just shift under full load. So simplicity and, and ease of use, I think, is is the yeah. biggest parts of yeah, it. Yeah, like anyone that grew up in the day of a triple on a mountain bike probably learned how to shift out of out of braking chains and eventually you learn not to do that. 100%. Um, you know, and, and, you know, one by is, is part of that process and evolution of simplicity and, and this is just that next step. It gets people riding faster. I mentioned this on the ride. Like this is, as a group set, is, is the first um, complete system that's centered around electronics. So Eagle before was, was an upgrade kit essentially. So you could have your Eagle cassette, Eagle chain, crank set, and it was just an add-on to it. It was electronic shifting. It cut the cable, um, but didn't change the way that it shifted at all. Um, there is specific mapping on the cassettes um, with transmission, um, and that'll uh, align itself to the derailleur as well. So the derailleur, uh, in a way, makes the, the the choice or it allows the shift to occur when those um, actual ramps are there in the cassette Um when that's happening, there is quite a bit of overlap, I suppose you'd call it, in terms of it being on both cogs. And that's where you can put full power into the gear as you're shifting as well. Because it picks up from the back of the cassette as yep. you're coming around. So exactly. like the chain's already connected on yep. before at, at the first point of shift. Okay. Exactly, yeah. Uh, that, I guess that mapping's quite interesting because you've got one setup cog basically in the middle of the cassette, which is like, I guess, identified by this red ring around it. Yeah. So for 90% of bikes, you're going to be setting it up in that red cog. Mm-hmm. There are situations that's outside of it, but the app will tell you where those positions are. Um, but for most bikes, it's in the setup cog. Okay. Um, there's a little red, I think it's plastic. I actually don't know what material it is, but it looks plastic on the inside that will show that. Um, and that's the six cog um, from fully outboard. So five clicks in your derailleur and it will move up. Um, from the box, brand new, it'll be in the right position as well. Interesting. Okay, that's pretty easy. Uh, and it's all the teeth of the cassette, except for that setup cog, are actually a narrow wide where they have like alternating narrow and then wide tooth pipe. Like not not too dissimilar, like your X-Sync chain rings. Exactly. That, that, that exactly. are narrow wide front chain ring on a one by drivetrain. Yeah, so that allows for, you know, that better contact of the chain and the cassette, especially under full load as well. Okay, interesting. All right. And those cassettes are traditionally like, I guess at the top end level, SRAM cassettes have been machined from one piece. Yeah. That's, that's a change. They partially are. Yeah. Um, and it depends from cassette to cassette, but the lower portion is still machined from that, from steel. Um, but you'll find the upper cogs, there are more aluminium uh, pin cogs to a spider on there as well. Shaves the weight quite a bit on it. Okay. All right. Shaves the weight. And I assume it's probably potentially less wasteful in terms of manufacturing processes? I'd say so. Like, you know, if I don't know if it's publicly online, but I swear I've seen it before on on, a, on some website. But the way those external cassettes are reduced, like it's a, literally a chunk of steel. Yeah. You know, they're expensive because they take, I think it's like 16 hours to produce, like something crazy. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of material when you look at the original block to what is left. Um, so it's definitely less wasteful with yeah. that production. And with AI, like robots are demanding higher pay now. So it makes sense that you want to <laughs> utilize them for a few hours. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good stuff. All right. So the derailleurs, like the other thing that I guess I'm so surprised with the derailleurs, how robust it is. So like traditionally a derailleur, I'd say one of the weakest points, one of the points that is so commonly affecting shifting is the derailleur hanger getting bent. Yeah. Yeah. I think the hanger is like the weakest part. Yeah. Yeah. There's no hanger now. There's there's no way to straighten this no. in a sense. So no. you're really relying on tolerances of the frame, which come back to meeting the UDH standard. Yeah. And it's just assumed that it's parallel to the axle, yeah. which is pretty safe assumption. Kind of has to be. Yeah. Like that's the cool part of this. Like if your axle is not straight, you'll know about it. Yeah. Because the wheel doesn't go in. Yeah. So it's kind of a good point to center around. Yeah. So like, and, and for people thinking about this, like you're – the disc brake mount that we consistently complain about on on this podcast, maybe we haven't yet, or maybe we have on a previous <laughs> podcast, but like needing to face these mounts, all those tools actually go off the axle to get that alignment. Yeah. Um, this derailleur is kind of doing the same thing. Yeah, it's going off the axle. Yeah. It has to be straight. Like, And not to go down a rabbit hole with that brake mount because I have seen 
a lot of instances where that also needs to happen. And, and I agree with you and other people who have spoken about it with it shouldn't be a thing. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, especially with the molds, like those axles are going to be straight. Um, it's, it's the way those frames are produced. So it's a, it's a very reliable point to point to go off. Okay. But I guess, yeah, damage on the trail can result in needing a straight new derailleur hanger. What has yeah. SRAM done to mitigate the need? Well, it's a stiffer interface yeah. in the first place. So it doesn't bend. Your frame doesn't bend. It, it, it's the first thing I thought of. As soon as I was like, there's no hanger, it freaked me out. Cause, yeah. You know, what's going to happen to my frame, et cetera. Et cetera and now, cetera. And now look at you just <laughs> joyfully showing me that you can stand on your derailleur. Exactly. Your derailleur body. Uh, you know, Dave, when I rode his bike and came back and I'm standing on top of the derailleur, like it's yeah. a really strong interface between that frame. Yeah. Um, it's a weird place to hang out, but I'll, it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's super weird. And that's the first time I've done it on the, on my, like my personally bike. I've done it on other bikes that aren't mine and it works. Uh-huh. Um, but it's super robust. Um, it's not just a gimmick. They are robust and I can't really speak to it a hell of a lot more really than that. But, you know, there's countless hours of testing. And if everyone watched Nino racing um, at Wells last year when he literally fell down on the drive side and, and got up and still raced, he was on that group set. And that's the only reason he was finishing that race because he didn't have to deal with a bent hanger. Yeah. So there's uh, some other safety features. What's what's the the feature called where you you hit your derailleur with a hammer and it moves inboard? <laughs> that's that's also my personal favorite on my personal bike to look like it's damaging. It's still got the same overdrive override overdrive clutch in it. Um, so when you do hit it, the derailleur will will hit out of the way. Yeah, that did traditionally on a hanger system save the hanger a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And I used to hit my bike with a hammer and in the stew courses I taught a lot. Never straighten the hanger. Because it takes the force through, uh, well, not into the motor, but away from that. Stu being a uh, SRAM Technical University. Okay, not a yeah. course for Stuart. <laughs> no, of the plan. Okay, um, but yeah, it, it's 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 plenty plenty strong. There are some other features in it as well. Um, it, it can move backwards if you get a large enough rock strike. It'll it'll move back, mm-hmm. um, and it's just a case of loosening off your axle to get it back. And yeah, position. you showed me that. It's like sprung. It just pops back in place as soon as you back off that rear axle. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other ones too is is on the XX series. Um, there's the magic wheel, which we got a few little uh, Instagram clips from. Um, it's it's a two piece wheel. Um, there's a as an inner wheel and an outer wheel. The outer wheel has the, the, the lower pulley. Yep. Yeah, has yep. the teeth on it um, of the lower guide pulley. The inner wheel houses those. So uh, it's a nice little aero ring. It's nice and light because uh, sorry, not Sid XL, XXSL and uh, XO are generally about saving weight. Um, so if you get something stuck in that little gap between the two, um, the outer wheel will keep XXSL moving. XXSL and, and XX. And XX, yeah. 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 Um, that wheel will continue to, to move internally, um, or sorry, externally, um, allowing you to keep riding your bike. Mm. It's quite a bit of force behind it. It's not something that will um, start to slip at all, yeah. um, but it's quite a bit of force. Um, the other one too is just cage design. Like there's less areas for sticks and stuff to get stuck in. Yeah. Um, even at the uh, down where the chain feeds into the derailleur from the bottom, you know, if you get a stick stuck in there or, or go and stick an Allen key in there like I was doing, it, it doesn't hook up and get caught Sure, as well. Yeah, okay. So to go back to that magic wheel, that, that two-piece pulley wheel, I mean this is – pretty cool and it's it's not it's one of those things that like podcast probably isn't the best place to show to 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 show it because i can't show it but uh it's you literally put a a hex key through your bottom pulley wheel through the holes in the bottom pulley wheel and then you pedaled the bike yeah and you kept pedaling the bike and it kept pedaling the bike so there's a little bit of breakaway try this at home yeah put an allen key through your (laughs) your lower pulley wheel do this carefully put your bike in a work stand Put an Allen key through your lower pulley wheel if if you can if you've a, if you're of a nice enough bike that has holes in the pulley wheel, uh, <laughs> and pedal very gently and just watch what happens to the derailleur. Yeah, it'll. I wouldn't suggest Do it doing very what, carefully what Dave's saying right now. Maybe yeah. maybe a toothpick could be a good. Okay. You know. Right. Yeah. All right. Do something that might break. <laughs> then break sooner the, thing, than the derailleur. Not the derailleur. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But the point is, is that this is a very cool feature uh and it's making it's using like a a, i guess an oversized pulley wheel size they're oversized as well so efficiency is a big thing with it you know you see a lot of people putting on aftermarket um guide pulleys i'm not going to go down that rabbit hole of me ranting about that um someone had some on today um, we're setting up the bike um what are you saying (laughs) 
What do you say? <laughs> yeah. But um, Lockie looks so happy being able to take off my my personal Franken. eagle de- Franken eagle derailleur and put on a company appropriate one. It's funny that a lot of the changes on the new stuff are similar yeah. to what you've done though, too. You know what uh-huh. I mean? So yeah. obviously, you know, we're learning from our riders to mm. to give them what they want. But yeah, oversized pulleys is, is definitely part of that as well. The other very unique thing with this derailleur, other than the ability to stand on it and hit it with a hammer, <laughs> uh, is the fact that you can remove the entire cage assembly without tools. Yeah, so it's a weird one as well. When, when they actually ship in their aftermarket boxes, that cage is like slightly loose to fit it in the box. Um, but yeah, it's now it's now one unit. So you're in a cage, you're out of cage, your guide pulleys, and uh, the actual clutch of the derailleur is is all in one unit. Um, clutches do wear out over time, so you're able to change it. Um, and they literally screw up toolessly, like just by hand. So you rotate the uh, the cage the opposite way to what you'd cage lock. Um, and it will undo itself, um, mm. which sounds scary, but the chain's always holding it in place. So it'll never do that when you're riding, which is really, really cool. Okay. Um, and they're all interchangeable. So um, it's the same architecture or, or um, design between XXXL, uh, XX, and XO. So if you can't get the exact model, you can swap it in swap or you can in. upgrade your XO derailleur to be lighter. Yeah, you can, exactly. And okay. you can get the weights to be... Um, I think even on the XO, I don't have the exact weights, but you can get it, you know, relatively close with that upgrade on an XO in terms of weight to the XXSL from changing that cage to the carbon cage from the alloy. Okay. I don't want to speak for more than, I mean, we've already spoken for 20 minutes about it at Rear Derailer, <laughs> but there's some other things about this derailleur, which is the XO version and the, the XX version have like protective bumpers on them on the, the sort of body of it. Yeah, so there's skid plates on there as well. Okay. Um, and there's the, so the pins are replaceable. The, uh, I suppose, outer cage of the parallelogram is replaceable. Uh, and then there's a skid plate on there as well. Okay. That skid plate's been, you know, it's very minimal on the XXSL because it's all about saving weight. Um, you know, but myself, like I smash my derailleur into things all the time. Um, and they just always look really good crappy after a couple of weeks, uh, especially on an e-bike. I just don't care when I'm actually riding it. Um, but you can change all those skid plates, the outer plate, the pins. So uh, it's it's definitely the most uh, repairable or, or replaceable parts that I've ever seen from Axis and I've actually ever seen from a derailleur with SRAM. It, it's almost uh, in line with the um, the ETAP, that's not the ETAP, the uh, 22 shifters of early on where you could replace the internals of a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. So... You can replace the entire cage assembly, which has the clutch built into it. Yes. You can replace the, what were you calling it? The, the parallelogram the, um, plate, I guess. Yeah, yeah, the outer plate of the yeah. derailleur. And then there's the bushing that the, the whole derailleur mounts the frame with, yeah. with that, that, that what, the friction plate, I guess, is it? Yeah, the knurled, the knurled ring plate or the... Yeah, or the, um, that's replaceable. That's replaceable as well. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So the only thing that's not replaceable is like, the actual metal body of the derailleur. Pretty much. Yeah. The one you stand on to show your friends how strong your new derailleur is. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah that's it. Interesting. All right. Let's move on from the rear derailleur. Uh, we're not going to go too far. Let's talk. So the cassette has all those, those shift ramps, yeah. uh, the narrow wide. There is a new chain. There is a new chain. Yeah. There is going to be... I would say not confusion, but a good opportunity for us to educate with yeah. those chains. So yeah, I was surprised by this. Yeah, they're, they're called T-type. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... It, has the same aesthetic as flat top, but is not a flat top chain. So flat top being the one that was introduced with SRAM 12 speed road. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So flat top stays for flat top, stays for road. Yeah. For mountain bike, it is T type and you need to, you need to stick with that specifically. Um, I don't have roller measurements. I have reached out to ask. I'll get an official answer on there uh, for you. Um, but just to see exactly what all the differences are, yeah. the, the way those two chains, uh, function is very different. Uh, the, you know, the road chains are designed around a, a two by system, which is transferable to one by this is one by dedicated. Um, and it does have a very specific cassette. So it's going to align to that. So it's T type. The chain rings are now T type as well. The cassette is T type. So this is where I said before, nothing crosses over from Eagle axis, mm-hmm. um, drivetrain into the transmission. It is specific. So you can't run the older sets, you can't run the older chains, you can't run the older chain rings. Okay, interesting. Uh, what about cross-compatibility? You say the chain is not the same as X flat top road. So does that mean cassettes and chain rings? Well, obviously cassettes aren't compatible because yeah. this derailleur has to have a 10 to 52. Yeah. What about chain rings? The one-by rings are compatible with okay. the road. Yeah. All right. So you and can you can take a explore chain ring. Yes. And use it. 
T-type chain? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And tools-wise, like if someone already has tools for flat-top chains, can they? Yeah, same tool. So okay. uh, I've got the nice Abbey tool, um, yeah. which will work. There will be an updated um, chain compatibility or tool compatibility list when this comes out as well, which will be on the SRAM okay. service website. Um, I can't talk that website up enough. There's a lot of info on there. Um, but, yeah, it's the same compatibility with those laptop okay. chains. All right. So it's probably just me worth adding a little geek warning uh, of just make sure that using a correct chain wear tool on this because it isn't a regular chain wear tool. It's Wear's a big one. Yeah, it's uh, it's the same as flat top chains. That had a, I mean, I'm assuming it's the same as flat top chains. It has a slightly oversized roller compared to a traditional bicycle chain. So yeah. it's, uh, your old chain wear tool probably is going to give you false readings. I use the Park Tool CC4. Yep. There is a whole list of compatible yep. chain yep. checkers Pedro's as well. Pedro's makes yep. one, Park Tool makes one. Shimano train tool in theory probably works. <laughs> yeah, if it's uh, on the list, like yeah. I know before. Um, Shram makes one. There was a Shimano chain breaker that worked. Um, uh-huh. I'm pretty sure on yeah. that tool list as well. Yeah. So if that tool works. The TL29. Whatever the brand yeah, is. Yeah. As everyone would know off the top of their head. We'll chuck it on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So chain's new. There's there's obviously different levels of that chain. You get the full hollow pin, hollow plate for the XXSL. XXSL is, is all the things taken off. So yeah. it's got hollow links. It's got hollow pins. More air than metal. Yeah, mm-hmm. cools it down, speed holes. Yeah, cool. Um, as you go down to uh, XX, um, it is solid in terms of the links. Um, mm-hmm. It's hollow in terms of the pin. Okay. And then the XO, uh, I actually would need to double check this one um, on here. So the the XO goes to what we're calling a dark polar um, color. So it's a black chain. So okay. it's got a um, that black coating on it, which you would have seen with X uh, XX1 chains previously. Um, and that's a, um, it's not a hollow pin. So it's a solid, it's a solid okay. pin with it's a, a little bit of pin. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm remembering something about that derailleur, which is that it kind of sits at an angle as you go through the cassette. It looks bent from behind. Yeah. So the, the old days of looking down at the cage, um, and being like, uh, that's not straight is, it's kind of gone. Um, it does sit at an angle and the way the derailleur will track through its shifts is it is pointing at the chain ring at all times. So as it kind of moves up, it will, um, through really the B gap position change where it's pointing at. Um, and that's because we want to optimize the, the chain line of it. Um, transmission is based around CL55, which you'll find UDH bikes are all CL55 anyway. Uh, it's kind of part of the standard. Um, but, yeah, we definitely want the best interface possible between the cassette and the chain ring at the front. Okay. Let's just quickly talk compatibility because, obviously, if you're buying a brand-new bike that comes with this, this conversation doesn't need to happen. But if you are within a pre-existing bike, whether it be a gravel bike or a mountain bike, there are some complications there. Uh, so you, it has to be a UDH compatible bike. It has to be UDH. Yeah. If it's not UDH, there's no adapters or, or any of that stuff. It yep. needs to physically mount to the frame for all of this to happen. Okay. So um, if you've got an older mountain bike and it's not UDH, I hate to say it, it's not going to work. Okay. A SRAM will continue to make the previous Eagle derailleur for that customer? All the previous Eagles still still yeah. in there in the range. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the hierarchy, like the top tier XX and SL are above our previous XX1, which mm-hmm. is an Eagle, um, but they all still continue. You know, there's so many bikes out there that aren't UDH. Um, I'm lucky to have a UDH bike, but even my last frame I just got rid of wasn't. Um, and it's not even the application of just mountain biking. You know, gravel isn't something that's adopted UDH like mountain bikes. Um, so they'll still be offered there. We still sell those. What's stopping someone from putting the new derailleur on their existing Eagle? Sorry, let me go the other way around. <laughs> what's stopping someone with a with a bike that has a derailleur hanger so they're locked into their Eagle derailleur? Yeah. What's stopping them from putting the new transmission, the rest of the transmission on their bike? Uh, in terms of like crank and um, chain ring? Chain, like crank chain ring cassette. Uh I suppose not a lot in terms of like them mounting it on, but it's yeah. not going to shift properly. Okay. Because um, that derailleur was made for different gaps. And, made for different gaps. Yeah. Um, okay. You know, it's not going to time itself to that um, cassette mapping, which is key. You know, it's it's the combo of this you know, group set being electronic by design and from the ground up that allows those shifts to occur when they need to occur. Mm-hmm. Um, so the timing would be out of the cassette um, the chain's not going to be compatible. So you, you may find there may be issues with, um, 
you know, really accelerated chain wear, I would say would be part of it. Um, there'd probably be differences in tolerances between shifting, but um, I suppose really like they're all things I'm kind of thinking through and problem solving, but at the end of the day, they're not compatible. So yeah, yeah. don't company line. Don't, don't try. Yeah. Okay. I will try. Uh, and- <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> All right. So uh, the other compatibility chain line. Yeah. Yeah. CL55. 55. Um, is okay. what is uh, UDH bikes are based around CL55. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I have a UDH bike. Will this work? If it's UDH, you know, for the most part, it's going to work. There's some instances in that I won't talk about with it. But as long as it's officially UDH and you can find it, we've got a website, which is, um, I just Google UDH um, bike finder and there's a okay. Shram website that will list all the bikes. Mm-hmm. As long as it's on there, you're, you're good to go. Okay. Um, but CL55 uses what we call a wide crank. Mm-hmm. There is different bottom bracket spacing. Um, my favorite tech doc is the choose your bottom bracket for MTB by Shram. Um, and you, you go geek. through a couple measurements mm-hmm. and you find your bottom bracket and it'll tell yeah. you spacing. Make sure you're referencing the wide, not the standard. Okay. All right. So wide. That's crank much new there? Uh, it depends on the level. Some of them, yes. Some of them, not as much. Mm-hmm. But there are differences in all of them. So um, we kind of talked about it in force. You know, power is becoming bigger and bigger in road. And I see it being the same in mountain. Uh, I've kind of chatted with some people. It's kind of the opposite in mountain. Like I feel at least for enduro and stuff, like power is going to be a really good tool to, to not burn all your matches on the climbs and to then have some juice left at the top. Yeah. It's going to be a good reference point for that. Um, so the XO and XX, they utilize a spindle-based power meter and that's technology that's come over from road. Yeah, um, so it's effectively left-hand side. Left-hand side. Yeah. It's all out of the way on mountain bikes, which is which is quite nice, especially mm-hmm. for something that might be an enduro bike. It's easy to whack those things, um, which is less than ideal. Um, the chain rings on X. X and XO have the option to have uh, bash guards mounted to them as well. So um, to stop any damage to the teeth of the um, chain rings or the chain as well. So um, some big changes there. The interfaces on all these cranks are now eight bolt as well. So not the three bolt that mountain bike has traditionally had. So again, the rings won't be compatible because they won't mount unless you did the crank, which we don't want you to do. Um, But different interface on there as well. Um, as we go up to the XXSL, which is super light, um, there is a, um, a power meter option for that, which looks very similar to what um, the Scott team are running for quite a number of years, which was that one piece. Um, but the nice thing with it is it's not actually a one piece. It's a, it's a thread-on chain ring. Um, and so you can change your, your chain ring size. Uh, if the chain rings got damaged, you could replace it as well. Um, you need a new tool for it, which is really, really cool. Um, but it, it does get that weight down really close to the standard crank set, which is okay. a downside of power is it's heavier. Yeah. So it, the chain ring, you can imagine a spider-based power meter that then has a thread on the outside of it running yeah. the full circumference of the the spider. Yeah. And then like a, just a small little tooth chain ring thread straight onto that interface. Yeah. yeah. And so then there's a bolt that locks it in. Just a little bolt, like a little yeah. grub screw that holds it in. Um, the thread design is done in a way that, you know, it tightens as you ride, but it won't over tighten it. So it's mm-hmm. not a really fine thread. It kind of tapers across the crank a little bit more. Um, so it's not going to jam itself on and require a lot of movement to get it off, but it inherently holds itself in the right place at all times cool. as well. Okay. That's quite clever. Mm. I was worried that Tram would do a one piece, like what like what they do on the road, which is integrated power and ring, but yeah. a one piece on a, a narrow wide mountain bike chain ring, which is going to see much faster wear. Yeah. Yeah, the, the it's thing smaller that, and it's exposed to dirt all the time. Yeah, chain rings on mountain bikes, um, they do wear over time. Yeah, there's no there's no hiding that. But um, what you find is they they kind of wear um, more at the at the bottom of your front foot forward than anything um, mm. because there is chain movement as well, and, that, and that's usually where that wear develops from. Um, because the cassettes are, are steel, again, you don't get a lot of wear um, coming from the ca- cassette. Um, so they do wear out over time, but it's usually a different way to road. It's not usually from elongation. It's, it's usually from things, slapping things. Speaking of that chain slap, um, that's a complaint I've personally had with previous gen Eagle that I at times could feel the clutch wasn't as strong as I wanted it to be, especially as you got down the cassette block. Yeah. Uh, is that different now? 
it is a more consistent process with the clutch. Um, that being said, though, and I, I've, I see a lot of stuff uh, where people are like the clutch isn't doing what it's meant to be doing. And then, you know, we test those products and it is doing what it's doing. Um, there is a little bit more noise, um, I feel, because of the way that derailleur kind of sits on, on the older style ones. There's no cable kind of locking it in place. Um, but I feel a lot of it just comes from um, chain protectors just not having enough kind of cushion on them. Um, you know, clutches can wear out and they, and they do wear out over time, but I don't think it's as wide a spread as, as what the internet makes out i usually feel there's something else that's causing that that noise yeah yeah okay uh what's new with the front derailleur there's no front derailleur oh okay (laughs) it's easy yeah uh classic joke uh let's talk about that shifter yeah so the shifter's gone through it looks nothing like the previous shifter it looks nothing like a previous shifter from anyone really no like i feel this one I, i feel the older controllers um really tried to to mimic in a way what a what a shifter would look like um and maybe that's to help ease people into electronics and, and not freak people out um and there was a nice little change with the the rock from the rocker to the um i can't remember what the exact word is for it but that newer style mm-hmm. shift paddle uh, which i quite liked and to be honest i know cons with um but the pods are, are grossly different and, and they'll give you a lot better position on there as well and i think as you were saying the other week when we first talked about this you couldn't really get the right hand position um, with, with the, the previous rock, shifter. Yeah, yeah, with that rocker. Yeah. Yeah. So this adds for a lot more options. So what we put on today was the the matchmaker combination, uh-huh. um, but there's also the infinity clamps as well, which which you'll get to, to really dial things in. So yeah. an infinity match- is just a, a bar clamp, effectively. Yeah, just just yeah. a bar clamp. Yeah, um, a really cool name for a bar clamp. The the pods are completely ambidextrous, so they're the same for both sides, and they mm-hmm. can lock in and out. So there's not two different shifters or two different controllers, I should say, anymore. There's now just the one. You just mm. swap it around, and there's two buttons on on each side. You can program okay. those in the Axis app. Um, it's probably good to program your reverb post in there, unlike I didn't do with uh, yeah. with days bike today. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll add the dropper back into the mix. Um, but it just gives you more options for placement. You know, yeah. we have the matchmaker on there. When I rode your bike, it was actually perfect for me, and that's where I'm going to set up mine. wasn't perfect for you, so we're going to go with the infinity clamp option. Mm-hmm. You can play with it. Um, there's quite a few different axes of change, so you can move the um, the clamps inboard and outboard like you could traditionally. Um, you can also pivot them up and down. Um, but then the actual controller also pivots um, in its little mount as, as well. So you can change the angle that it faces you at. Yeah. Change the angle it faces yeah. you at. And then the buttons are changeable as well. Buttons are changeable. So there's a convex, concave and a convex. Hmm. Um, they'll ship with a little red tab, which we found out today had adhesive on it. So once you figure out which <laughs> button you like, Learning you on the go. pull it off and then it'll <laughs> stick on. Yeah. Yeah, those, those buttons are, are pretty neat that you can sort of interchange them, I guess. It's, yeah. It's a, a nice little customization. For you a know, it's... Not a pain, but you know, if if you had an issue, I, to be honest, I actually haven't seen any issues with the with the older star shifters at all. Um, but you can just swap them around, which I think is really cool. So you're not dealing with two different part numbers and skews and all that kind of stuff. Mm, okay, let's let's start wrapping this up. So let's can you give us a summary of the the three tiers and what I guess what happens at each tier? Yep. So uh, I suppose we'll start at the bottom with XO. Mm-hmm. So uh, XO alloy crank. Um, slightly more cost effective in terms of coatings and all the kind of like to keep the price point down. Um, the same function in the way it's going to shift. So there's, there's no different in the functions. That's why the cages are the same, the motors are the same. It's just the materials around them that change in terms of weights. So XO is going to be the heaviest out of them. I don't have the weights. I can get them. That's right. You can, can look ask. them up yourselves. Um, <laughs> XX, you go up to um, carbon arms, you go to a lighter alloy cage, you go yep. up to magic wheels, so you are getting an extra Ooh. feature yep. in the derailleur as well. Yep. Um, and yeah, probably carbon cranks are the biggest thing in terms of weight. Um, and then when you go to XXXL, that's when you're up to carbon cage and even lighter weight magic wheel and that, so it's got a little um, yep. uh, polished metal in, internal on it yep. as well. A lighter crank lighter power meter you can put that power meter on xx if you wanted to as well if you if you like that i'm going to personally be doing that on my um, acoustic bike cool um but yeah xxsl is is dedicated xc so it's not for e-bike or yeah. that xx and xo are their e-bike and, and, and it's go. it's wear components that probably have increased wear as well uh, at least for the cassette maybe on the xxsl sl yeah um, i honestly don't know okay to, to be fair with you yeah i don't okay. have to check because there's more there's extra aluminium pieces to the cassette versus steel on the others yeah as you go down there's more steel cogs on them yeah. so 
in some ways they'd be more durable, yeah, or fit, sure. fit for purpose, I'd say, with yeah. e-bike. Um, with that XXSL not being e-bike compatible, yeah. um, you know, it, it's not designed around like my lever out there putting 600 watts consistently through it mm-hmm. um, for racing 100%, but not to the torque levels of an e-bike motor. Um, there are e-bike compatible like group sets as well. So I think you mentioned it the other week when we were chatting with Chris, you know, like what's stopping someone from putting on. There's nothing stopping people from doing that um, beyond, you know, it's going to avoid the warranty on it. But there are e-bike specific group sets. So there's a, um, there's a bros option. Um, there is a Bosch option with direct mount chainring, mm. uh, and there's a 104 BCD option. Okay. as well so if you are an e-biker you're going to be buying that as a group anyway gotcha. um, and it's going to lock you into the motor that you have as well right okay interesting one thing that stood out with the exo group aluminium crank which is different to what it was previously it was carbon before yeah. uh potentially lighter than a shimano xtr yeah i, I have to check the weights I, I okay yeah all right that's intriguing mm. uh black coating on the chain Less machining on the derailleur is that so that there are going to be some weight differences. Yeah, there? the the cage is is definitely different. It's a heavier cage. Um, the pulley wheels on the magic wheel. Um, the pulley wheels are heavier as well um, by design. Um, and I'm I'd have to check the rest of it in terms of what changes, but I, I'm sure there's differences in the skid plates and all that beyond sure. aesthetics. Yeah. Okay. Uh, batteries unchanged. No, which is awesome. Yeah, I yep. like that they're they are the same. unchanged. Yeah, they're the same battery. Yeah, um, it's been the same battery the whole time with from ETAP to Axis. Okay, um, and that's a good thing. And um, as we discussed the other week on on the four stuff, there's a quadruple charger as well. Mm. So anyone yeah. who's you know either buying a bike when this comes out with it, which might have flight attendant and a post, um, or like me who has flight attendant, uh, you can charge all four batteries at once, which is nice. I'm making space in my wall for one of those. That's... Have you ridden it? No, I mean the quadruple charger. Oh, the quadruple charger. Yeah. I think making room in your wall for a flight attendant bike. Um, no, I think the quadruple charger. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, flight attendant is interesting, but like it's, yeah, I think for now, I mean, that's very much in a, in a space I don't tend to ride a lot of. Yeah. Okay, it's yeah. In, you know, it's in the enduro space and the, the gravity space. Yeah. And, uh, I think one day if, if RockShox and SRAM were to trickle that down into the weight weenie space, then then yes. That would be cool. Then I will I will remove other bikes from the wall in anticipation. Uh all right, let let me let me ask a few potentially tougher questions. Cool. Do you think the market's ready for this? Are there enough bikes on the market that have converted to UDH? Are there enough consumers on the market that have converted to bikes with UDH to to be doing this? I personally can't speak from the OEM side of what bikes have been sold. Um because I just don't know. Um, and, and Dave, who is Dave Evans, who's here before would, would probably have a lot more numbers, um, on that. Um, is the market ready? If you've got a EH bike, I think, yes, it's going to be an educational thing. I think there's so many benefits from this group set that, you know, for the avid mountain bikers out there who, you know, just want to ride their bike more hundred percent. I think there is, they are top tier groups. They are not cheap group sets. Yeah. We still have the existing products in that line for that reason. Um, I think it'll just take a little bit of time. People get their heads around stuff, but I think, you know, more and more, especially this season with it, you know, being announced, it'll get proven through racing. It'll get proven through people. I I personally believe that most of the sales for this will come from complete bikes to start with, but I think the riders who are on UDH already, you know, will definitely be interested. And that, I guess that take up to UDH, I mean, SRAM has been very successful with getting manufacturers to get behind that standard in in years past it's what two to three years now that we've barely seen a new mountain bike hit the market without one yeah like most bikes are adopting it it's yeah it's um standardizing chain line that chain line's more optimized around boost as well um at 55 mil there's a 52 and a half before so it's working a lot better for for chain line um it, it just means it's easy for people to get parts you know what i mean like, and, and you were in a shop for a while too you know the old wheels manufacturing poster on the wall i, I mm-hmm. literally made a meme about this when i when it came out it, this got rid of all of that you mm-hmm. know what i mean and it, it makes things simple and hangers again are a hard thing to explain to consumers like oh sorry we do have a million of these in the drawer but this is specific to your bike it doesn't really make sense so yeah, I think the adoption of that has been through, you know, getting riders back on their bike faster and that's why it's been adopted so well. How does SRAM sleep at night knowing that they're probably going to put derailerhanger.com out of business? Probably pretty well. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lucky. So I guess to wrap up, three new transmissions uh, replacing 
or superseding, I guess, the the previous stuff, or is it in addition to for now? Evolving and in addition to, you know, we mentioned before adoption of UDH, you know, there's a lot of bikes out there that would have been made before the last three years and none of them have UDH. So they're still going to coexist. Probably the question that you'll only give me a smirk for, but uh, (laughs) is the fact that some of the latest gravel bikes, the fact that they're adopting UDH, a sign of things to come in other in other spheres of cycling? I, uh, I'm smirking, but I also don't really know the okay. answer. Like that would definitely be like an OEM side of things. Uh-huh. But, you know, this is compatible um, with anything that's that's Axis that has UDH. So, you know, mountain bikes, what we're launching with, if a gravel bike has UDH on there mm-hmm. um, and you're running Axis controllers, it, it'll still work. So, you know, the big buzz thing this will be mountain bike, but it's not just focused around mountain bike. Okay. Yeah. So it might not be necessarily a sign of what's to come on the road it's more a sign of them allowing compatibility for a mullet setup with this new stuff yes at least for now yeah that's all i've seen and all i can speak to okay all right well i might wrap it up there um thank you for walking me through all that no worries and uh yeah i'll uh hopefully by the time this launches i might even have a website to write about this stuff on and uh if that's the case then i will be sharing my thoughts on it so do check that out lucky thank you no thank you have a good ride on it okay a whole lot to digest there one thing we didn't touch on was the new stealth brakes The update here is seen at the lever, where the brake hoses now point more towards the back of the handlebar for a cleaner visual. And yes, you guessed it, better alignment to that internal headset cable routing that every mountain biker is asking for. At least those that hate their mechanics. In short, the guide, or currently known as G2 brakes, are gone. SRAM has replaced those with new level brakes with the option of two and four piston calipers. Gravity riders still get the code brakes. Meanwhile, all the calipers, hoses, and even the master cylinder internals are mostly unchanged from before. And yep, they're all still running DOT 5.1 fluid. Okay, those are the brakes. As for those transmissions, you'll no doubt see them everywhere on new and high-priced mountain bikes. They'll also slowly trickle onto gravel bikes, with the likes of YT and MB already offering comparable frames. As for the road? Well, I'd say when you see a road version of the Universal Derailer Hanger make an appearance... Well, that's the writing on the wall, and at that point, I get to say I told you so. If you're keen to see what these new parts actually look like or how I got on with them, well, we have their website, escapecollective.cc. You don't have to be a member to read the article, but being a member will let you comment, show your support for all the work we do, and remove the paywall that you'll surely hit once you've read a handful of our articles. We'll be back in just a few days with the regular group show. Until then... Perhaps check your trailer hanger straightness.